Nikki. Morning, all. Morning. Morning. I really do pray today that you have ears to hear what God wants to say to us today. Now, we pray that every time, and I pray that every time that I preach. But today, I just want you to, before we start, just have a moment and just lay down. In fact, I'm just going to pray now. Just lay down all the stuff that's bothering you, all the stuff that's in your head now, the lunch that's not quite made, the shopping you've got to do, the housework still waiting for you at home, the worry about work, the worry about finances or relationships. So, Father God, as we come to hear from you, Lord, I just pray that you will keep each one of us here with eyes and hearts fixed on you. Lord, we lay down all that other stuff right now. We just put it to the side so that we can hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, if you've got your Bibles or your phones or whatever way you want to read the Bible, we're going to Isaiah 45. And we are going to delve deep and we're going to read the whole of Isaiah 45. So I'll give you a few minutes to find it. It's only five pages long. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Isaiah 45. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel who summons you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, Of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor. Though you do not acknowledge me, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me. So that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. You heavens above, rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to those who quarrel with their maker, those who are nothing but Pots herds among pots herds on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say, the potter has no hands? Woe to the one who says to a father, what have you begotten? Or to a mother, what have you brought to birth? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker, concerning things to come. Do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free. But not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord says. 
The products of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and those tall Sabians, they will come over you and be yours. They will trudge behind you, coming over to you in chains. They will bow down before you and plead with you, saying, Surely God is with you and there is no other. There is no other God. Truly you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Savior of Israel. All the makers of idols will be put to shame and disgraced. They will go off into disgrace together. But Israel will be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You will never be put to shame or disgrace to ages everlasting. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Gather together and come assemble, you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what it is to be, present it. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a saviour. There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow. By me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. But all the descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. We will make our boast in him. We're going to dive in a bit to this whole section today. And I want you to come on a journey with me. We're going to start off looking at who God is what he's made, and we're going to travel through. You look at what this verse is about, and it talks about the bigness of God, the greatness of God. Verse 2, verse 1, he subdues nations and strips kings. He's got so much power, he can just subdue a nation. I've got this image in my eye of a kind of hand, hand of God, just going, yeah, nation, subdued. You kings over there? Yeah, I'm going to take, strip everything you've got. Just, just with a sweep of his finger, God is just going to do that. Verse 2, he's going to level mountains. He is powerful enough to level a mountain. A mountain, not a little bump, not a little hill, a mountain. An actual physical mountain God could level. He can break down gates, verse 2. He can cut bars of iron. Then we talk about creation, verse 7. He formed light and created darkness. He's so powerful that creating light and darkness is within his gift. Doesn't have to use electricity in the way that we do. He made the earth. You've seen those satellite photos of the earth looking down from the uh, International Space Station and you see the earth and it looks so small. And yet, when you recognize what it is, there is all the oceans, 
there's all the countries of the world, and then there's all the people in all the countries in all the world, and then there's you sitting here this morning in Horizon. And God made that earth and everything in it, and he made it to be inhabited. Did you hear that as we read it? God made the earth to be inhabited. He made it for us. His hand stretched out the heavens, just like that, kind of stretched them out. This is my mind's eye. Um, he marshaled the stars. Like people spend their whole career studying stars and black holes and galaxies. That's the, you know, people like Stephen Hawking, incredibly clever, intelligent men. And yet God just goes, yeah, put you in a little constellation. I'll put you in a little galaxy. God is so massive and mighty. He created the heavens and fashioned the earth. So I want you to get a flavor of how big God is. I think sometimes in our Christian walk, and this is true for me, I'm so much more comfortable with the Jesus as a friend. I, I like that relationship. I like to know that Jesus is with me and he's kind of here and we're chatting and we've got relationship and I don't spend enough time looking up to the bigness of God, the greatness and the mightiness of him and his creation. We spend too much time in our Christian faith looking down and in. We're looking at our own situations. We're looking at our own lives, our own challenges. Our prayer requests become a list of things. We don't lift our eyes to go, God, you made the heavens. I'm going to look in the starry sky and go, wow, you just made that. You just went, I'm going to make that. Really? You are massive and mighty. And yet, you are still the Jesus that's my friend. You can make all these things come into being, light and darkness. You can just make it happen. And yet, from that place of power, you're my friend. You're my savior. Oh, that gets me so excited this morning. You are massive and mighty, and yet you choose me. He is massive and mighty, and yet he chooses you. He chooses you. Some of the things that you see in that verse as we, as we read it, I'm, I'm just going to pull out some of the stuff that talks about the, the relationship he chose with us. Verse 2, he goes before us. I don't know what you're facing this week. I don't know where you are in your life. God does. He goes before you. It says he goes before us. He made the heavens and the earth. And yet, he goes before me when I go to work. He goes before you before you take the kids to school. How big is God? How amazing is that? Verse 3, he gives us hidden treasures. Things that we haven't yet even seen. But they're treasures for us. And things that he knows catch us. He knows you. He knows the things that are going to get your excitement going. The little thing that you've never expressed to anyone as a desire. He's got a hidden treasure for you. Verse 4 says, he summons us by name. He summons you by name. He doesn't just say, oh, all people come to me. He says that too. He says, Sam, come, come to me. Marina, come to me. Bob, come to me. He knows you by name and he summons you by name. 
God the creator of heavens and earth that can put stars into space, that can create galaxies, that can create the earth and all that is on it, calls you by name. He called you by name before you were even born. No one is exempt. The God of heaven and earth calls us by name. And maybe today he needs to call you by name again. Maybe there's a season in your life that you've kind of gone away a bit, got a bit distracted. He knows that. But he still calls you by name. Verse 4 also says, he gives us a title of honor. He gives you a title of honor. We put titles on ourselves all the time. And I have to say, many times they are not of honor. We put ourselves through titles. We put them on ourselves. Or other people sometimes place them on us. Maybe a title of failure, disaster, chaos, disorganized. You're not this. You're not that. And we wear that title around with us. Oh, I'm not very creative. Do you remember me preaching about creativity about a year ago? Yeah, oh, I'm not very creative. Actually, hang on a minute. I choose not to take that title. I choose through God to say, I refuse that title on my life. He gives us a title and that title is of honor. Verses five, he strengthens us. Verse seven, he brings prosperity. Oh, horizon. What do we need right now? A bit of prosperity. He brings prosperity. He can bring prosperity. He can sort out our finances. Totally. Verse 17, he will save us and we will never be put to shame. We will never be put to shame. Sometimes we face situations in our life where we're really worried about where God is and what God's going to do and we're praying and praying and praying and we're just not yet seeing the breakthrough. Take that verse. You will never be put to shame. You will never be put to shame. The maker of heaven and earth is for us. He calls us by name. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his masterpiece. So he made the stars. He made the galaxies. He made the earth. He put some animals in the ocean. He put some animals in the jungle. He put some people on the earth. He put you here. Right now. In this place today. In your family. In your workplace. This point of your life. He's put you here. The fact that you're here sitting today is not because of anything you've done. It's because God made that work so that you could be here today. He calls us by name. So we started talking about how massive and mighty God is. His creativity and his ability to put things that are enormous to us. Mountains can be leveled. But then we think about what he can do for us. But there's another set of verses in Isaiah 45 that we read. And it's about being him alone. I am the Lord and there is no other. Verse 5, verse 6, verse 18, verse 22. I am the Lord and there is no other. He created us. He calls us by name. But he calls us to serve him alone him alone. We are not here to serve other masters. We're not here to serve our boss, our employers. We're not even here to serve our ministry giftings. 
We're here to serve him first. Don't serve any other God or master. They might be good things. Family, brilliant. But don't serve family. God first. I am the Lord, there is no other. Don't serve the church before you serve God. Ah, the enemy loves to distract us with activity, actually. You know, the enemy loves when we are so busy doing that we've stopped being with God. Because that, that connection is broken and you can keep us busy, busy, busy until you're on your knees. He'll distract us like that. And you'll know if that's your thing. It's very easy for me to be busy. Really, really easy. So I've got to caution myself. I've got to create time where I know that I'm not going to be taken up by that distraction. Maybe for you, it's doing things for other people. Maybe you're so distracted by doing, being kind, doing all those great things. Those are good things to do, but not before God. God alone, him first. These other things come out of that. They don't come before it. Don't serve rituals before you serve relationship. Oh, we're creatures of habit, aren't we? We're generally, humans are habitual people. We like to do the same thing, the same time, every day. We set our alarms for the same time every morning. We take the same route to work. We see the same people. We have coffee every third Saturday with that person. Uh, we come to church. Do we sit in the same seats? Mostly. <laughs> We do, don't we? It's habit. You've kind of got a little bit that you like, you're quite comfortable, you're going to sit there. I'm not saying that's not okay. But what you have to be cautious of is that your spiritual life becomes a ritual, not a relationship. Oh, I get up in the morning and I read my Bible verse uh, and I pray for five minutes and then I get ready and I go to work. Well, what if God wants you to get that relationship and spend 20 minutes? Oh, no, 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 I've got five. I've only built in five. So he can only have that five. And actually that five minutes I've decided is the list of things that I'm bringing to him. I've got already, that's planned. I've got that already, God. So yeah, no, don't be getting in the way. Because I've got a plan for the day. We put God in a box. We put our lives before him in a box of listed things that we want to achieve for the week. And we stop hearing from him and we stop listening to actually the direction he's taking us in until sometimes he pulls us up short. Something catches our attention and we can't do the same ritual thing that we've done before. Sometimes it's a word at church. Sometimes it's what someone else says. Sometimes it's a situation that you find yourself in that God just cuts you short. It's about that relationship with him. It's not about rituals. Habits are good. It's good to read your Bible. It's good. We should do that. We should pray. We definitely should pray. But we should do those things in relationship with him. Not as a list of activities to be achieved by the end of our week. We've got to do the housework, the shopping, the ironing, the prayer, the visiting church. We've got three hours for that and we can't spare any more time. So it's just three hours. So don't let church get too carried away with itself because I need to be gone by one. Do we do that? I do that. Oh, that's rituals, isn't it? That's time in my diary that I've allotted for my faith. That's a time that I've chosen God can have that much in that little square box. God, the maker of heaven and earth, wants more than that. 
It's about relationship with him. No distractions. I am the Lord and there is no other. Your prayer life does not come before the relationship with him. Your church service does not come before the relationship with him. If you're married, your spouse does not come before him. Him alone and him first. I'm just going to quickly read now Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. I'm really challenged by that. Because that's a response. That's an understanding that God, the maker of heaven and earth that we started with, becomes the God of relationship with us. Asks us to put him alone and him first. And to get to the point in our faith where we say, I desire you more than anything. More than anything. More than anyone. More than any act of service, which as good as it might be, more than anything. God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. God calls us to put him alone and him first. Above all commitments, responsibilities, above all your hopes and your dreams, your wants, your desires, above all programs, above all meetings, above all practical issues, your health, your relationship, your family, He calls us to put him first and to respond to him, to say, more than anything, it's about you. More than anything, putting aside all this stuff that bothers me, all this stuff that gives me hassle, all the stuff that I'm excited about, all the stuff that I think is in my future, all the stuff that I'm trying to deal with in my past, you alone and you first. And yet, I don't know about you, but I often put these other things before him. Distractions are really easy. Things that are good, you know. I've got a good career. I enjoy my job. I put work first sometimes. Before him. I don't know about you. Sometimes it crowds in. The volume of work, the responsibility of work, the commitment required of work, the excitement and passion that you've got for the thing takes over. And you serve work. You don't serve God. You serve work. And it's in your mind. You go to sleep thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. Or is it just me? That's not what God says. Me first. God alone first. Family. I can put friends that are family before God. My Godson, all his health issues, that group of friends that are my family that I love dearly and I do anything for. But hey, I can put them before God. I get so distracted by the stuff that needs doing and their lives and the things that I can help them with and the practical things that I can do for them that actually they become first and not God. Acts of service. Perhaps you're someone that's in the worship team. Perhaps you're someone that serves in the tea and the coffee. That can become the thing that you're coming to church for. You're coming because you're on the rota and you don't want to let people down. 
and you're coming because you've got a job to perform. And you come in the door and your hat is tea and coffee server. Your hat is worship team. God says, me alone, me first. Do we come in the door knowing we're going to meet with God when we come in? Saying, actually, God, I, I, I will do those things. I will serve you tea and coffee. I will serve you in the worship. But God, I want first my heart to know that I want to worship you, you alone and you first. Service in church is an expression of our love and connection with God. Not the other way around. Uh, there's a, a, a poem which I say hesitantly because I know everybody laughs when I say it. What's the English version? Poem. Can't say that. Poem. Uh, I knew I was going to have to say that word. Uh, from Mother Teresa that I'm just going to read out because I really like this. People are often unreasonable, illogical and self-centred. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone might destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you, de- the good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world your best anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's all between you and God. It was never about them anyway. Don't be distracted by people and stuff. It was never about them anyway. In the end, in the final analysis, it's all between you and God. I love that people love coming to Horizon and they love it as a family and I get excited that we see people that love coming back. I have to say I'm a bit frustrated because that's got to be the start, not the end. It's great if you love coming here because we are nice people and you feel welcome and we're invested in your lives and we want to help you and support you. That's brilliant. But if that's all we do, we will be a nice social club. That's not what this is about. That's not what it's about. We want you, as leadership, as Horizon, to know Jesus, to feel the supernatural power of God in this place, to be changed, because you've met God yourself. If all you do is come and have nice vibes because you've gone home and you feel loved, I'm dissatisfied with that. It's great as a start. That's not the end game. That's not why we're here. Him alone. Him first. God, that maker of heaven and earth we started with, that stretches out the heavens, that levels mountains, that puts stars in the earth. He calls us to belong to him, to put him alone and him first in our lives, laying down all the other things that distract us, that we've put first instead of him. 
All those other things are not what this is about. It's about me and him. And you're lovely people, but it ain't about you in my life. My job is to be with him and to do what he tells me to do. So we're going to have a time of response now. We've got a song that's going to play. Uh, and just after that, we've got an activity. You know, I love activities. Um, so you will be passed round a number one. You'll be passed a pen. And what I'd like you to do is to turn it over and lay down something that you have put first before God. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your family you've put before God. In the time of worship, pray and seek him for what you need to be writing down and laying down and saying, I am going to put you first, God. I choose today to put you first. Then when Rachel and the band come back up to worship, there's a cross just here with some string around it. Take your number one, pin it so no one can see what you've written, there's little pegs, and place that at the cross. And that's a symbol of you laying down the things that have distracted you from him as number one. The leadership team will be at the front to pray. So if you've got something that you're laying down that you want us to stand with you, then come forward for prayer in that time as well. So Father God, we just pray and lift this to you, Father. We pray that we will have heard today that you call us. You call us by name. You call us to you alone and to put you first and be number one in our lives, Lord. Father, in this time, we pray that you will guide each one of us to lay down those things that we've put before you, those distractions, and walk out today knowing, in the end, God, it's about me and you. In the end, at the end of the day, it's only about you. And Lord, we place a seal on this message today that you will deposit in our hearts, that we won't just forget it as a single message, but there'll be something that comes from that. In Jesus' name, amen. Just gone through the motions, I'm sorry. 
You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory.
and from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. I exalt you, and I exalt you. I exalt you above all else. I exalt you. In this life 
God at number one is not a case of reshuffling the list. Demoting what is above God in your life to below him is not what it's about. If you're just going to go and do that this week, I prophesy over you'll fail by next Sunday. It's not about reordering the list. It's about God being the love of your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your what soul and with all your might, your strength. If we spend some time this week, more time this week, focusing in on God, He becomes bigger. You become more in love with Him. Your list orders itself. Don't go list shuffling. Well, I've got to do less of that and I've got to less of that. No, we've got to do more focusing and devotion on God. Then he'll become the number one and then all your priorities will get sorted out underneath that. And it's so easy to slip from that in your own life, isn't it? Right? So this week, let's commit to spending more time with God, reshuffling our time, that's the thing you can reshuffle, to spend a bit more time with him, a bit more devotion on him, and let's see what he says about what's going to have to shift and shake about. Okay? Thank you, Jill. Brilliant. That's what we needed to hear. <laughs> going to do... Cindy, going to do one more thing. We're going to pray for you. Is it tomorrow you go? You need to take the word you've heard today. I am your spiritual mother. 
I am your spiritual mother. Look me in the eyes. <laughs> you need to take what you heard today. You need to get the podcast. And you need to make him number one. Because you're only safe that side of the world if he is number one. Your devotion, okay? So, God, my prayer for this lady is that you will be the love of her life. And if you are, you are going to lead her into all things that are good and healthy and happy and prosperous. And we're going to hear great things from the other side of the world. So, God, our heart's desire for my spiritual little girl, you are the love and the center of her life. And then everything else will fall into being. So, Cindy, we send you with that message. We send you with that truth. And we speak to your spirit to hear the word of the Lord, to seek his face, to put him first. And that all the blessings will come from that. We send you out with our love, our protection, our blessing, and with a message that is going to change your life. Amen. Have a God-filled first.